I want to start this morning with a quick review, kind of how we've gotten to where we are. We're in the final installment of our series on uh, the vision for the next year called Relaunch 2021. We're kind of refocusing, relaunching, getting ready, prepared to restart the ministries uh, here at Wall Highway. This is the purpose of this series is to refocus, to kind of get out of the blur. And life has been a little bit of a blur the past year, right? Uh, past several months, and it's easy to kind of get lost in that. And for a while, we haven't had much choice but to kind of remain in that, not knowing uh, what was coming next. But the reality is, we, none of us know what's coming next. It doesn't really matter uh, whether there is a pandemic or not. We don't know the future. We don't know all of what there is to know. Um, details, God knows those. He sees the big picture. So we have to live by faith. But there are, even though we don't know all the details of the future, there are some things that we know for sure, Um, some things that we can have certainty about. And so we can build our lives around those concrete principles, those biblical principles that exist and are there to define our lives and are there to define the way we function as a church. And really, that's what we've been looking at over the past three weeks. This is week four and the last of our series. And again, the purpose is to refocus. Um, It's to get out of the blur, to refocus and prepare to relaunch the ministry and the mission of Wall Highway Baptist Church. Last week, we looked at our vision statement, our mission statement, and our strategy. And today, we're going to dig in uh, in the strategy part of, of what we are going to do over the next year. Our vision, we stated clearly, is that we want to be a church that's actively connecting our world to Christ and his people through intentional evangelism, dynamic worship, loving fellowship, personal discipleship, and caring ministry. That defines us. We want that to be the church, that we are how we are defined. When people see us, that's how the characteristics we want to display. When they experience the ministry of Wall Highway, Those are the characteristics that we want to display. How do we get there? Well, that's where the mission comes in. It's our GPS. It guides us. It keeps us in bounds, focused. And our mission is stated as we want to be people and lead people to love God, love people, share Jesus, make disciples. The greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength, with everything that you are, everything that you have. Jesus said, the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And there are many ways that we do that. But we talked about how we measure that, our values, what it's based on, where we get that from, and how we measure whether or not we're doing those things. And now we talk about how we function from day to day so that we can lead people. We can become people who are characterized that way, but also lead people to love God, love people, share Jesus, and make disciples. That's the strategy, and we ended last week with that. Our strategy is how we function from day to day. It guides us. It's the DNA of the church. It's how we decide what to do and what not to do when it comes to different ministries, different things that we do. There's a lot of good things you can do as individuals, as a church, but the question is whether or not it fits the mission, the vision of the church, and that strategy helps us define that. And it's based on four things, four biblical things that we need to be about as individuals and as a church. And those four words, and you'll see the symbols. If you're leaving today, you can look, you can see the symbols on the signs in the foyer. You see them on our publications, on our website, connect, grow, serve, and go. Those are the four things that define our day-to-day ministry of all ages 
at Wall Highway. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to break that down even further. We're going to talk, some of this again is going to be familiar. Some of you will have heard a lot of this. We're going to talk about the biblical basis for that because I believe it's always important for us to refresh our memories and understand why we do what we do. And then we're going to talk about what that's going to look like this year. Now, if there's anything that we've learned this year is that you can make all the plans you want and those plans can be changed in a heartbeat, right? There are a lot of things that we weren't able to do this year because of social distancing, because of the pandemic. And so some of those things we will still do. Some of these things we're going to do this year um, are going to be in light of the pandemic. Some of these things, we, all of these things, we are making plans, trusting that this is what God wants us to do. But even if he changes or he changes the plans or we realize we're wrong and because, you know, he doesn't change his mind. He's perfect. But if we realize we're off base or we have to adjust, we're going to do that because we've learned to do that this year. We've learned to be flexible, but we still need to have a direction. We still need to have a vision so that we can all rally behind that and we can get busy doing what God's called us to do. Because even though things are challenging now, we're still called to be the church, and we still have a purpose, and we should still be seeking to fulfill that purpose. So let's look at what this is going to look like this year. Uh, Connect, grow, serve, and go, our strategy. So what does that tell us? Well, it tells us, for one thing, that we need to be making connections this year. Uh, That's harder now than it was, but eventually, you know, social distancing guidelines are going to relax. You know, the numbers will eventually go down, uh, and life will get back to some semblance of normalcy. I don't know what, I think some things are going to be different forever. It will be easier to make connections, but just because it's challenging to make connections doesn't mean we should give up making connections. We just have to get creative in how we do it. We've got to be, we've got to make connections in different ways. It could be standing, you know, in your yard while you're talking to your neighbor in their yard. You still have the conversation. You still have a connection. It could be talking to somebody on a computer screen. Not ideal, not my favorite thing. Matter of fact, I'm about tired of Zoom meetings. How about you guys? But you do what you got to do. There are ways we can make connections. And so we need to continue to do that. Why do we want to do this or how do we do that? Well, when we're talking about connecting as a church, as individuals, one of the things primarily, first of all, we want to connect people to Jesus. Yes, we want to connect. I want to connect with you, but my intent, my purpose is to help you connect to Christ. If you don't know him, I want you to be introduced to him to discover what I've discovered, salvation through Christ alone, to fall in love with him. If you do know him, I want you to connect deeper with him. I want to help you do that. And so connecting people to Christ, this is based on, we talked about this last week, the Great Commission, Matthew 18, or 28, verses 19 and 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and in the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. This is relational evangelism. We talked a good bit about that last year. We actually started training through connection groups, and then the world shut down, and we stopped. And so we're going to finish that this year, but in different ways. We're going to look at different ways to do that, but we all should be looking for opportunities to seek out people in our lives and build relationships with them for the purpose of sharing the gospel, winning them to the Lord, and if they know the Lord, discipling them further in their faith. We should have intimate relationships. This is the model that Jesus set for us, the example that he set for us. Uh, Jesus, you look at Jesus and his 12 disciples, 
And he called them out. Uh, he personally called each of them. He made a personal connection with each of, each of them and called them out. Matthew 10, verses 2 through 4, they're named. These are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James, uh, son of Zebedee, and John, his brother. Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew the tax collector, James the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon the zealot and Judas Iscariot who betrayed him. So, you know, we see Jesus call the twelve, but if you look at his life, he built a relationship, a more intimate relationship with only three or four. Really three, but Andrew was included more so than the others. Not that he disliked the others, but he really poured himself into three guys. Uh, Simon Peter and his brother Andrew, along with James and John, when you see the disciples mentioned, they are all mentioned first. They were the first to be called, and they are his immediate band of followers. Um, and this, you know, both sets appear uh, to be, have been present when, when Jesus healed Simon Peter's mother-in-law from the fever. Uh, throughout the remainder of the Gospels, you see, uh, you know, with the except, single exception of Mark chapter 13, verses 3 and 4, Andrew kind of fades to the background, but then you see uh, Peter, James, and John are always with Jesus. They are close to him. Uh, they were the only disciples that were allowed to accompany Jesus when he raised the daughter of Jairus from the dead. Mark five thirty-seven. he did not let anyone accompany him except Peter, James, and John, James's brother. On the mountain, when we see Jesus transfigured, along with Moses and Elijah, who do we see there with him? Mark chapter 14, they came to the place called, or excuse me, Mark chapter 9, verse 2. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up on the high mountain by themselves to be alone. He was transformed. He allowed them to witness that, that right in front of them. He was transformed. Those were his three that he poured into. And in the Garden of Gethsemane, we see him invite uh, Peter, James, and John to accompany him. And they were supposed to pray with him. Of course, they couldn't stay awake. Um, but they were also there to witness his agony, what he was going through. Um, when he prayed in Mark chapter 14, they came to a place called, named Gethsemane. And he told his disciples, sit here and pray while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and horrified. Then he said to them, My soul is swallowed up in sorrow to the point of death. Remain here and stay awake. Then he went a little farther, fell to the ground, and began to pray that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. So why did Jesus do this? Well, I mean, he is, he's God. He could have poured equally into all 12 of them, right? I mean, he could have done that, but he's setting the example for us. He's showing us how to do this. He's showing us what discipleship looks like. You, you may be in a group this large. You may be in a connection group that's, you know, 15, 12 to 15 people or even more. But regardless, you need to have two or three people that you are pouring yourself into. We all do. This is discipleship. So who are you pouring yourself into? Our desire should be to model the example that Jesus sets, and it is our desire here at this church. I want us to be duplicating ourselves, to be pouring ourselves into others, investing into other people's lives, to model this same method of relational evangelism. Evangelism is not just going door-to-door -door sharing the gospel. You can do that, and that's fine, but evangelism is, yes, winning people to the Lord, but then it doesn't stop there. 
Our, our part doesn't end when somebody invites Jesus into their lives. We continue by building a relationship and investing in those individuals, pouring into their lives. For those of you here today who know Christ or watching at home, if you are mature in your faith, I could ask you and you could tell me probably several people, but at least a few people who invested in you to help you get to where you are spiritually, right? I know I can. I can share with you guys that I still talk to today when I need advice that poured into me and helped me become what I am and helped me grow in my faith. And so that's what we want to do. Here's how we're going to do that in 2021. Here is the main challenge. There are a lot of goals we've got this year, but here's the main challenge. And you've heard me ask this question before. This isn't new to me. I mean, original to me. This is uh, the, the, the theme, the question that the North American Mission Board, Johnny Hunt, who's now serving with the North American Mission Board, this is the theme they are asking, the question they are asking. I want each of us to ask this question. Who is your one? We're talking about two or three, but let's just start with one. Who is one person in your life that you are pouring into? There should be somebody that you're pouring yourself into, that you're helping grow spiritually. It may be that you need to seek out that person, build a relationship with them. That maybe they don't know the Lord. There's somebody you're thinking of right now you know is not a Christian. The reason God's put them on your heart is because he's leading you to share the gospel with them, to build a relationship with them. They may accept immediately. It may t- be two or three years. It may, who knows how long it will take, but God is calling you to invest in them, and that's what I want us to do this year. That's something we can do whether we are sitting within six feet of each other or not. Um, we can connect with other people. It may be a coworker, it may be a friend, it may be a neighbor, but who is your one? Who is it that God is leading you to build a relationship and pour yourself into? We're going to see this is going to be a key component in all of our goals, the different strategies this year. But it starts there with identifying who's your one. And, and here's another challenge. Here's something that I want to encourage you to do. Get over the awkwardness and connect with two of your neighbors. Each of us can do this regardless of whether or not we're socially distanced. You can drop a basket on their front door and run. (laughs) Leave a note, let them know who it was, you know, um, or do it anonymously, that's fine. But, or or you can ring the doorbell. I've done this. Drop a basket, ring the doorbell, and stand about 10 feet away and talk to them. You can talk, you can have a conversation 10 feet away, and they'll appreciate that. But there are ways you can connect. Maybe you notice that your neighbor's grass hadn't been cut in a while. Cut their grass for them. Do something. Just connect with a neighbor. I mean, I I think if we were to go around the room, a lot of us uh, probably don't know our neighbors that well. Or maybe one of the benefits, like in our neighborhood, one of the benefits of this is we've gotten to know some of our neighbors through this. Um, But but we should be looking for opportunities to connect with people around us. And that's the challenge. I think we can all do that this year. Find two people around you in your neighborhood and connect with them. The purpose is to build a relationship with them. They may know the Lord. They may not. They may be going to another church. They may not. That's fine. I mean, if they end up here, great. But the purpose is building a relationship. The only way you're going to know the spiritual condition of the people around you is if you build a relationship with them. So that's an easy, an easy goal I'm challenging us to do to connect with people around us. We're also going to finish our relational evangelism training. Uh, we, we started that, and we were doing that through connection groups, and then connection groups shut down for about four or five months, longer, I guess. Um, and, and so we haven't finished that, but we're going to. And we're going to do that a couple of different ways. We will 
get back into connection groups, but we're also going to look at offering that in an online format. Other, other ways for you to get to that. There's nothing, you know, magical about that, but it does build confidence. We've got just a, a brief little uh, study, a brief little training session that gives you some tools to use uh, that will help you have confidence in building relationships because it's not just about sharing the gospel. It is, but it's about building relationships and some tips that will help you do that. And so we're going to make that available to give you a little bit more confidence. We're also going to look at making other evangelism resources available this year. Uh, those will probably come in the website. There may be different training uh, that we do, but we're going we're gonna to look at different ways, different varieties, methods, uh, strategies that will help you have confidence in doing that. And we'll offer those to you throughout the year because I want to I make it easier for you to do this. Now, it's still going to require boldness. It's still going to require a stepping out of our comfort zone. But there are some things that we can do to build confidence, and we're going to do that. So we're going to connect with people or connect people to Christ, but we also want to connect people to the church. Preferably this church, because this is a good church, right? Um, and that should be our goal. Yeah, shouldn't be ashamed of that. Yeah, we want you to come to know Christ. That's first and foremost. But we also want you to be a part of this church, because it's important. And, and we believe God's led you into our lives for a reason. If you're visiting today, if you're visiting online, hey, let me let you in on a little secret. We want you here. All right, we're glad you're here, and we want you to stay here. And we're, we're not ashamed. There's no reason to be ashamed to admit that, all right? Um, we want you to know Jesus. We want your soul to be secure. But we also know part of being a Christian is connecting with believers and serving in a local body of believers. You'll never reach your full potential until you do that. You'll never discover all of God's purpose for you until you function and serve within the context of the local church. And so we want to help you do that. What does the Bible say about that? Connecting to, to a church. Well, in the New Testament, the church is described as the body of Christ and the bride of Christ. Let's start with the description as the bride of Christ in 2 Corinthians eleven two. For I'm jealous over you with a godly jealousy because I have promised you in marriage to one husband to, to present a pure virgin to Christ, speaking of the church, through sacrifice, Jesus' sacrifice, his intimacy with the Father. Our intimacy with the Father can be restored. We can have the, the, the intimacy that he had with the Father. We, can, we have access to that because he has paid the price for our sins. And through his atonement for our sins, we are presented to God with the purity of a bride on her wedding day. That's how the church is described. And Jesus makes that possible. He cleanses us. And then in Ephesians 5, 21 through 24, we read, Submitting to one another in fear of Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of the body. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so wives are to submit to their husbands in everything. Now, of course, that's talking about roles within the marriage relationship. But we also, this extends to the relationship. It's using, it's comparing the marriage relationship to the relationship of the church to Christ. As Jesus is the head of the church, we as the church are his bride, and we are to submit to him. He is the spiritual leader of this church, of all churches, the one true church. I mean, we're all, there are different denominations, but those who are followers of Christ, we are all his body. And there are local bodies, there are local brides, so to speak. And we are the bride of Christ. And, and we are presented, we are able to be his bride because he has cleansed us and set us free. And we, and we see in the same 
passage how husbands are called to love their wives. As the church submits to Christ, so wives are to submit to their husbands and everything. Husbands, love your wives. How? Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her to make her holy, cleansing her with the washing of water by the word. He did this to present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or anything like that, but holy and blameless. So as the bride of Christ, we're cleansed from sin. We have an intimate relationship with the Father through Jesus Christ. And Jesus loves us with an everlasting love. Uh, Those those are the, the privileges, the benefits of being the bride of Christ. That's the security that we have. Jesus will never, there will never be a point where we're not secure in his hands. We are his. And and we are to submit to him and love him uh, just as he loves us. But the church is also described as his body. Another intimate way to describe his relationship to his church. 1 Corinthians 12, 27, now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. So the body, just like my body, your body is made up of different members, different you know, hands, fingers, arms, legs, and it all works together, right? Uh, I was talking to a few guys this morning. It doesn't work as well as you get older, right? Uh, you appreciate uh, the, the younger years when things worked better, and that's one of the, the effects of sin. Your body breaks down, and you, you notice how much you need certain members of your body when they don't work anymore. Have you ever broken a finger? You don't realize how much of, uh, of, of a problem that is, of a hindrance that is, until you don't have it. Go to tie your shoes when your hand's all tied up in a cast, right? Wrapped up in a cast. I mean, even the smallest member is important. It all works together. It all functions together. And we're described as Christ's body. Di- different members, different talents, different gifts, different functions, all working together to accomplish His purpose. Various members put together to accomplish God's purpose. And we all have specific gifts that he's given us to use. You are here, or God maybe, or is leading you here, if he's leading you to join this church, because he's given you a specific gift to be used for his glory, for his purpose. We are his body. We work together. Hebrews 10.25, let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. So there's a clear mandate here in Scripture. Believers are to be connected and participating in the local body that is called the church. Now, again, right now, some of you can't be here and shouldn't be here because of the pandemic. You've got health issues. Um, You're at a certain age where it's not safe for you to be around other people. And you're connecting online, and that's great. Continue to do that. God's grace is sufficient to cover that. Um, But we need to be connected. You need to stay connected. It's going to be a little harder to stay connected, but we need to stay connected. And one day... When we can, we all need to come back together. We, we don't ever need to give up what we're doing right now. God's design is that his people be together and connected, this gathering. And, and listen, technology is great, and again, I'm thankful we have that, but nothing should ever completely replace what we're doing right here and the different functions of the church. And, and so we need to, to, to work hard, even harder right now, to stay connected with each other, especially those that can't be here right now. They need to hear from you. Um, we need to connect with each other, even if it's just a phone call. And so how are we going to do that? How are we going to continue to do that? Well, let's go back to who's your one. And one thing that you can do to connect somebody to this body of believers, this local fellowship, whoever that one is in your life, if they don't attend church, invite your one to church. I mean, this is simple, right? This isn't rocket science. Connect. Who's your one? Connect with that person. 
if they don't belong to a fellowship, if they don't know Christ, your goal is to lead them to Christ, but bring them to church. You bring them to church. I mean, you share the gospel with them, but guess what? Bring them to church. They're going to hear the gospel here too. And so bring them, help them connect. You know, most people's studies have shown time and time again, most people will come to church if somebody will just invite them and take them with them. And we can do all the publicity we want, and we should use every avenue we can, but nothing replaces that person-to-person contact. So invite your one to church. Another thing we're going to do to help people connect this year is we haven't had a membership class this year because of the challenges of COVID, but we are going to do that this year. And the next class we have, we're going to record that, and we will offer an online version as well. You know, one of the benefits of this is it's forced us uh, into greater areas, more areas of technology. And so we're going to make that more accessible. All right? So we'll, we're going we're to have our membership class again this year. We'll offer an online version uh, along with that. And then connect back to church. Have a goal this year to connect back to church. Again, right now, some of you can't be here. And I, don't misunderstand me. I don't want anybody to take any unnecessary risks. Okay, this thing is still out there. It's still real. We need to be careful. We're sitting distanced, and we're going to keep you know, doing that. We're going to do it as long as necessary. Wear masks and the whole nine yards. But as it subsides, if you're not here, you need to have a goal of connecting back here when, when you can. All right, and I, I, hopefully that goes without saying, but that's one of our goals this year, is to get people, help people connect back and help people, more people get connected as we are able. And then one of the things that's going on right now, if you didn't know it, look around, you'll see the dust on the floor and the dust in the chair is our building renovations. We're doing this, one, stewardship, we want to take care of what God has given us, but another reason we're doing this is that it will help us connect to people. You know, we want people to feel at home. We want people to feel welcome. We want a, a, an, an inviting atmosphere. And, and guess what? Having a nice, clean building will help us post-COVID, right? That's going to be important to people. But, but even more, all right, um, are along with that. When the downstairs is finished, right now we have nowhere to have fellowships. And one day we are going to share a meal again together, okay? We're going to have fellowships again together. And guess what? When this thing is finished, we're going to have a nice, huge area where we can have fellowships together and spend time together. We won't have to do them outside anymore. We can still do that, but we'll be able to have meals inside. This will meet an incredible need that we have. And that's one of the many reasons why we're doing this is so that we will, it'll be easier for us to connect and easier for people to connect, to feel welcome, an inviting atmosphere. And then we want to connect within the church. So we're connecting people to the church. We want to connect within the church, their relationships. So you're inviting, you're building a relationship with, the, with your one, right? You're leading them to Christ or you're discipling them. You're inviting them to church. You want to get them connected. Don't stop there. Invite them to your connection group. That should be a goal. You know, your one, you need to help them get connected to a connection group. We talked about this in the past few weeks, the importance of, listen, you can come to this room with this size group and never really get to know each other. You need to get plugged into a connection group. Even if that's just virtually right now, you need to be plugged in and connected. That's where you build relationships. That's where you share your life and your burdens with other people. You need to help your one do that, whoever that one is. Uh, we also want to, we have already restarted connection groups, but our goal is that as the year progresses, our connection groups are back to full strength. The past couple of years, we've had a goal of adding a connection group this year, adding a connection group that year. If God provides for that, great. But our goal this year is to get back to full strength. And I think that's a reasonable goal by the end of the year, um, as, as the situation allows. 
uh, in terms of attendance, but then getting people connected. And, and I believe God is faithful, and he blesses us beyond what we deserve, and I believe he's going to add to that. But I think that needs to be a goal for us this year. Right now, if you can't be here, are there people in your class who can't be here? Again, connect virtually, but go a step further than that. Pick three people in your connection group. Don't wait for your connection group leader to ask you. Pick three people and call them and connect with them. Somehow, write them a letter of encouragement. Uh, give them a phone call. Take them a gift. You know, put together a little gift basket and take it to them. Just do something for them, especially if they aren't able to be here in person. Okay? Do something to connect three people. Just pick three people in your class and connect with them some way, shape, form, or fashion, even if it's just a letter of encouragement. Hey, I'm praying for you. I want you to know I love you. I'm here if you need me. You know, whatever. Do something to connect with the people around you. And I guarantee you, God will use that. I, I, I would even venture to say that that letter or that basket or that phone call will probably come to them at a time when they desperately need it, especially if they haven't been able to be here for a while. Let's, let's spread out as God's army and connect. Make it our mission this year to love on each other as much as possible and to lift each other up. This is one of the ways that we can do that. So we're going to connect, make connections in 2021. We're also going to have a goal to grow spiritually in 2021. This should always be our goal, and it will be our goal every year (laughs) to grow more. We want to be, we talked about this two weeks ago, right? Spiritual habits. We want to be more spiritually mature at the end of 2021 than we are right now, and there are things that we need to do in order to accomplish that. And there's a biblical precedent for this. In 1 Peter 3.18, it says, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Grow in grace and knowledge and becoming like Christ and knowing what he knows and all of those. So we grow in our grace and our knowledge. Hebrews 6, 1, therefore, leaving the elementary message about the Messiah, let us go on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works, uh, faith in God. We want to grow and our grace and knowledge, and we want to move past elementary teachings. We need to grow in, in maturity and, and, and knowledge. Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. He personally gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the training of the saints in the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of God's Son, growing into a mature man with a statue measured by Christ's fullness. That should be our goal. Growing into a full man or woman measured by Christ's fullness. Then we will no longer be little children tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching. You want to be secure in life? Know Christ and become like him. Grow. The more mature you are, the more secure you'll be. The the more firm your foundation will be. Uh, Not blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning with cleverness and techniques of deceit, but speaking the truth in love. Let us grow in every way into him who is the head of Christ. From him the whole body, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love by the proper working of each individual part. Again, we're a body, different parts working together. If we're going to function properly, if we're going to keep... Uh, from having parts of our pieces, our, our body parts breaking down, then we need to be growing spiritually. If this body's going to be healthy, each of us has to be growing spiritually and maturing in our faith. So how are we going to encourage that this year? Well, growing in spiritual disciplines is one way. 
Um, you know, spiritual growth is not automatic. We talked about this two weeks ago. It's not automatic. It takes discipline. It takes time. It takes effort. First Timothy 4, 7, have nothing to do with irreverent, irreverent and silly myths, Paul says. Rather, train yourself in godliness. Training requires work. It requires time. It requires making it a priority. It requires disciplines. Training, discipline. And this discipline includes developing spiritual habits, spiritual disciplines. Just like an athlete has disciplines physically, whether it's what he eats or she eats or the exercises that they do, we have spiritual exercises and spiritual food that we need to take in, that we feed on. Colossians 3, 9 and 10, do not lie to one another since you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self. You're being renewed in knowledge according to the image of your creator. So that verse, those two verses, the old self, that's your old nature, right? Your sinful nature. The new self is your new nature. And so what this is saying is, is if I want to become like Christ, I've got to put off the old self. Yes, you die to sin. That old life is gone, but the flesh is still there. And we battle the flesh. So I've got to make a conscious decision and a daily commitment to put off that old self, those, which equals those old habits. But then I can't just have a void there because it's going to be filled by something. I've got to replace those old habits with the new self. That's what it means putting on the new self. The old self with its habits has to go. I've got to replace those with new habits. And those are spiritual habits. We need to develop spiritual habits so that we can grow spiritually. What is a habit? Well, a habit is a continually, often, a continual, often unconscious inclination to do a certain activity required through frequent repetition. How does it become so, such a habit that it's almost unconscious? Well, you've got to do it over and over and over and over again. And there are things spiritually that we need to do so much that it just becomes a part of who we are. Not the repetition to the sense that we don't think about it, that it has no meaning. It's just we do it so much that it's a vital part of who we are. It's a habit. There's no question. It's not a question of whether or not we're going to do it. We're going to do it. It's a part of our daily habit, our daily lives. It also could be described as an as a established disposition of character. It's a part of our character. It's part of what we do. If you want to have a Christ-like character, then you need to develop the habits that Jesus had. When you look at his life on earth, whether it's spending time alone with the Father, pouring himself into other people, the habits that he had, we need to develop those habits and those that are defined in his word. It's also a customary practice, something you do over and over, which means you have to stay at it. It doesn't come automatically we have to have discipline. We have to make it a priority, make it a commitment. We've got to stay at it day after day after day. So we teach core disciplines here. And one of the things that we haven't been able to do this year, but we will do this coming year, is our equip class. We're going to have that at some point. There are different equip classes that we have. And like our membership class, one of our goals this year is going to be to make that more accessible. Whether it be online or do, uh, we, this was one of our goals last year. We were going to have a weekend conference and do one of them. We weren't able to do that. Um, weren't, weren't able to have too many of those types of events. Um, we're getting to a place where we can do more of those things. And so these four equip classes teach, uh, the, these equip classes, there's really three of them that teach four very important spiritual disciplines. And we spend a lot of time on those. And so we're going to have those again this year. And those four disciplines, those habits, are Bible study, prayer, tithing, and fellowship. We talked about three a week ago. And, and we're going to, th these, these equipped classes go really deep into those. 
And so we're going to do those again so that it will help you help me develop further these habits or to begin if you haven't done that already. Uh, we're going to grow in spiritual disciplines. Another way we're going to re- encourage growth in 2021 is to grow in prayer. Uh, you know, if, if, if there's anything we should have learned this year is that we as God's people need to spend more time on our knees. Desperately seeking God in prayer. Um, you know, there's a story uh, that J.D. Greer shares. It was actually Vance Pittman who leads Hope Church in the heart of Las Vegas, Nevada. Talk about a place to plant a church. That's where he was called to plant a church. And he, he shares a story about how that got started. Um, he, you know, Las Vegas, of course, is Sin City. And, and he talks about the success of, of Hope Church, which it has. It's become a huge church, reached thousands of people with the gospel. But he talks about how that success has very little to do with his own abilities and his own skill. It began in the heart of a small immigrant woman named Letty Peralta. And what, what he explains, this woman who moved to Las Vegas, ended up in Las Vegas. She's from the Philippines. She ended up in Las Vegas. And he explains how, it, how it, the story unfolds or how it unfolded for him. He said, when God called my family to Las Vegas, you couldn't have picked a place that was farther from my radar. You see, I'm from Alabama. Where I grew up, people didn't go to Las Vegas, or if they did, they didn't tell anybody. He says, they didn't actually believe Las Vegas was hell, but that you could smell it from there. (laughs) Let's be honest. I mean, we kind of think that way, but he was called to plant a church. But we knew, he says, God had called us to go. In our first week in Las Vegas, my wife and I were sitting at home when the phone rang on the other end, and on the line was a Filipino woman named Letty Peralta. She said, Pastor, can I tell you a story? He said, absolutely. I don't know anybody here. I'll listen to every story you got. So she tells him a story. And she talks about how she had moved to Hong Kong from the Philippines. And she'd gotten a job as an auntie for an American family in Hong Kong. And eventually, and she was using, she was earning money, sending it back to her family in the Philippines. Well, that family became like a second family to her, that American family. Eventually, they moved to a, a suburb of Atlanta called Woodstock. And they joined Johnny Hunt's church in Woodstock. And that's where she heard the gospel for the first time and was saved. She came to know Christ. And then she began to grow in her faith. That family that she was still with moved to, you guessed it, Las Vegas, Nevada. She gets to Las Vegas and she begins to pray. Not just that God would start a church there, but specifically that Pastor Johnny's church would plant a church in Las Vegas, Nevada. And she prayed, and she prayed, and she continued to pray for a year and a half before Vance and his family moved there to start that church. Vance gets this phone call, and she tells him this story. He and his family moves to Las Vegas. And a few days, just a couple of days uh, before this conversation, she's been praying for a year and a half, just a few days before this conversation takes place. Vance and his family gathered in their church's parking lot. Their pastor prayed over them. Guess which church and guess which pastor it was? Woodstock, Johnny Hunt, prayed over them, sent them to Las Vegas to start this church. And here's what he says. 14 years later, thousands of people have come to know Christ. They've reached. And here's what he says. Pittman says, what I realized that day was that contrary to what I'd thought, We didn't move to Las Vegas to start something. We went there to get on something, get in on something that God was doing long before we ever got there. Here's all I know to say. 
one lady from the Philippines grabbed a hold of the throne of God and she refused to let go until God moved. How many of us seek God that desperately every day? How many of us pray for the souls of the people around us? How many of us want to just be with God that much? Listen, we've got a lot of goals this year, but let me tell you one that is near and dear to my heart and a goal and a lesson God has been teaching me more and more this past year. I want this church to desperately seek God in all that we do. And if our plans are changed by circumstance or whatever, that's okay because we're going to continue to desperately seek God. This year, I want to be a year of prayer. I, and we're, listen, we're gonna, our goals, we're going to have different goals. We're going we're gonna to look to reach those goals. But if we want to see a movement of God, if you look at any movement of God throughout the world, throughout history, you will find at the heart of that mo- movement men and women who desperately sought God, who grabbed a hold of his throne and would not let go until they saw him move. That's not telling God what to do. That's just trusting God so much that if he doesn't answer that prayer immediately, I'm going to keep praying and I'm going to keep coming to his feet. And I'm not going to let go because I know that God has a plan. If you want to see the world change, how many of you are concerned about the world right now? How many of you are concerned about our country right now? How many of you are concerned about illness? about your family, your friends, maybe your kids. If you want to see God move, it begins right there at the feet of Jesus. God's people desperately seeking his face and grabbing a hold and not letting go. And life can be discouraging. It can be, it can be filled with trials. But if we, as God's people, don't know how to pray, then we don't need to expect God to move. We need to be people who pray, and that's one of our goals. So we're going to have, we, listen, our goals, we're going to have prayer events. We're going we're gonna to facilitate that, and that's what this is about. Some of what we did last year, we're going to do more. We're going to be called to prayer and fasting. Listen, when the building's finished, we're going to dedicate this building with Scripture reading and with prayer. We're going to saturate it with prayer in anticipation of what God's going to do here. All right? So we're going to have these different things, but listen, it, it, none of this matters if you and I as individuals don't commit to being prayer warriors, to seeking God's face. And that's the real challenge, is to make a personal commitment to grow in prayer. And then take a step beyond that. You've got your one, you've invited him or her to church, you've invited them to a connection group, you're pouring into them. Set a time each week where you meet with that person, yes, for discipleship, but just to pray with them, maybe over the phone. Pray with your one. You know, start a little prayer team. And see what God does through that. Just a practical way you can apply this. And again, we're going to dedicate this building in prayer. So we're going to grow in prayer and we're going to grow in discipleship. Psalm 119.11, I have treasured your word in my heart so that I may not sin against you. And we need to take God's word. We need to make it a part of who we are. We need to grow in it. So what are our goals? We've got our one, right? We're praying with him once a week. We're going to disciple our one too. That's your goal. Disciple your one. Be intentional, Bible study, a book a, on spiritual disciplines, whatever it is, use, use a guide, use something to help you. If you need help, uh, let me know. I'll recommend some, some good tools to use. But disciple, meet with them once a week, pray with them, spend time in God's word and, and, and make it beneficial for both of you. Spiritual disciplines, disciple, you're one. And the staff, we're going to be, we've started this, this thing. I don't know if you've noticed, but we've started the heart of the staff posts that we do. We're just sharing that. 
That's one of the ways we're hoping to encourage you, but we're also going to be making recommendations on Bible studies and spiritual on books uh, that we're reading. So hopefully you'll take those and use those. That's one of our goals this year. Consider participating in, in the My Story podcast. We've done one so far, and I'm hoping to do more. And that one uh, was very encouraging. We got to hear Max Frank's story and how God is using him. Uh, but consider that. You've got a story to tell. And by you sharing your story, other people may be encouraged to grow spiritually or with whatever they're dealing with. So if, if God's placed something on your heart and you want to participate in that, all you got to do is let me know and we'll set that up. And I'll carry you, I'll lead you through that, okay? And how that goes. But I think it's so important that we share our stories. That's one of the ways we can encourage each other to grow spiritually and continue to use your CBR journals. We're doing that this year. If you use something else, that's great. But this is a good guide to use. And we're going to continue to do that as a church family. Um, Join a CBR community, two or three, three or four people that you share with every day, text or whatever. You know, do that. It's encouraging. I've shared with you my group, and I love being a part of that group. It's so very encouraging, and I love to see how God speaks into their lives as we go through that. Community. We're going to build community, and that's something you can do whether you're in person or not, by the way, is be a part of that community, that group. Discuss it at night as a family. Use it as a family Bible study. But these are just some of the things we're going to continue, some of the things we're going to start. And the next, we want to make sure we're serving in 2021 as well. In Romans 12, we read about, you know, by the grace, verse 3, by the grace given me, I tell every one of you not to think of himself more highly than he should think. Instead, think sensibly, as God has distributed a measure of faith to each one. And it talks about the different functions. I'm not going to read all of them, but it talks about if, essentially, if God gives you the ability to teach, teach. If God gives you, you know, prophecy, prophesy, although the gift of prophecy has changed. It, you know, if it's encouraging, encourage. You know, that... Whatever gift God has given you, use it for his glory. God has given each of us gifts, and gifts and abilities are different. He's given us spiritual gifts. He's given us abilities. Spiritual gifts you're given when you are saved. God gives you gifts to be used for his glory. 1 Corinthians 12, 7, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. Let's differentiate between gifts and abilities. Gifts are given at salvation by the Holy Spirit to every believer at their conversion to be used to minister to others and therefore build up the body of Christ. So each of you, if you're a child of God, if you have been saved, God gives you gifts at salvation, and they may have something to do with your natural abilities, but he gives you gifts to be used for his glory. So you receive them at salvation, but you need to mature in those gifts. And the only way to mature in those gifts and grow in those gifts is to use those gifts. So we need to be using them. But then there are abilities as well. 1 Corinthians 12, 6, abilities, different abilities given to perform service, but the same God gives ability to all for their particular service. So your abilities are the natural talents with which you were born. Gifts are given at conversion, but you also have abilities that you were born with. God wants to use those for his glory too. And, and once you're a child of God, once you're saved, you see how God crafted you and shaped you to be used for specific things. He's gifted you, and he wants you to use those gifts for his glory. Every ability can be used. 1 Corinthians 10, 31, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. Everything can be done for his glory. So we've got goals. You're one. You're building a relationship with that one. One of our goals this year needs to be to help your one discover their gifts. 
If you lead them to Christ, if they are a Christian, help them discover their gifts and find a place to use those gifts. If you have to, start with the spiritual gifts inventory. If you need that or if your one needs that, that's still available on the website. You can, you can access that and you can use that. Go to the serve section. Take that. Just remember, you know, God isn't, uh, he doesn't lock us into tight restrictions in terms of gifts and how many. You may have several gifts. And he may call you to do something outside of your giftedness, but that'll give you a place to start in helping your one discover their gifts. If, in addition to that, here's another goal. Serve now. If you're here or God is leading you here, he's given you gifts, he's given you abilities to be used in the context of this church. Say, so how do I do that in the pandemic? Well, there's still a lot of ways. You may not be able to do what you've been doing, but there are a lot of ways to serve during the pandemic. Use your gifts and abilities. Write letters of encouragement. Take gifts to homebound members. If you want to know who they are, contact the church office. We'll give you a list. You can do that on your own. Pick up the phone. Start calling people. Take out your directory and just start writing letters. Start calling folks, checking on them. There are different ways we can serve even when we're socially distanced. Again, a socially distanced visit. Stand 10 feet or 6 feet or whatever from their front door and have a conversation. Do it through the glass door if you have to, if they have one. Whatever it takes. There are different ways, and we're going to continue to develop the ministries that we do well here, uh, and we have many. Our children's ministry, our worship ministry, youth ministry, missions, all different avenues where we can serve. We all give our lives to something. The question is, what are we giving our lives to? And we have different, we are different. We have different gifts. You know, it's holiday season's over, but I decided to kind of, you know, linger in that, so I, I, I brought some ingredients for for some, uh, some Chex Trail Mix. It's not really party mix, but it's Chex Trail Mix. And you know, you can go to the Chex website and you can get uh, the recipes for all of their different types of mixes, right? Well, I got one that didn't require cooking because I wanted to do it here. So, I mean, but the, you, can get the, you can get the ingredients, you can put it together. But it's got specific instructions, specific ingredients. I mean, this one particularly called for chocolate Chex Mix. I'm not even sure I knew that was a thing, but they're good, by the way. Um, chocolate Chex Mix, like two cups of chocolate Chex Mix. So I've got two cups of that. And then rice Chex, two cups of rice Chex. You add that. So I've got that, all this pre-measured. And then you've got raisins. Okay. You've got to fight me for them. I've been looking at this since last night. I'm ready to eat some. Raisins. So you've got your raisins here. I think that was two cups. I can't remember. And then one cup of chocolate chips, milk chocolate chips, not just semi-sweet. Are y'all hungry yet? It's 12. I'm going a little long today, sorry. And I'm talking about food too, so I love you guys. Um, chocolate chips. And then we've got a couple of cups of mixed nuts and, and you know, different kind, obviously mixed nuts, different kinds, but that salty sweet, you know, that's good stuff, right? So you add all of that, all your mixed nuts, and then yummy M&M's. I got two cups of M&M's here. All of this. This is your trail mix, all right? So guys, if this is what we have tonight at Bible study, I'm not, I'm not touching it with my hands, okay? All right, I'll have it divided up for you. Um, but you mix it all together. And this is, I mean, it's not that hard, right? Different ingredients. You mix it together. And it makes a pretty yummy snack, by the way. I won't eat it in front of you. I'm tempted, but I'm not going to. Um, but you think about it. Now, if you're going to have the, the proper Chex trail mix, you got to have all these ingredients. If I leave out the mixed nuts, it's not Chex Trail Mix. If I leave out the chocolate Chex, it's not Chex Trail Mix. If I leave out the raisins, you get the idea, right? You and I are ingredients of the local church, this church. 
you are here and God has given you gifts and abilities, or he's leading you here, if he is leading you here, hopefully, because he's given you specific gifts and abilities to be used for his glory. And if, just like if I leave one of these ingredients out, it's not going to be the same. If you're not using your gifts and abilities for his glory, this church will not be all that God intends for it to be. We all have to work together to function. So we're going to grow in spiritual disciplines this year and in gifts, and then we're going to go on mission in 2021. We need to understand that Jesus' mission, I'm just going to pick a few phrases out of these verses. What was Jesus' mission? To seek and to save the lost, Luke 19.10. John 18.37, Jesus said he came, he's been questioned by Pilate, he said, I have come to testify to the truth. Then John 10.10, he says, I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. And John 12.46, he's come as a light to shine in this dark world. In Luke 4, 43, he says, I've come, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God. So here's Jesus' mission, to seek and save the lost, to help people, to tell people the truth, to give light, to shine in the dark world, and to tell people the good news about the kingdom. That's Jesus' mission, and here's what we are called to do. Once we understand Jesus' mission, we are called to make Jesus' mission our mission. So we're going to go on mission. Continue to go on mission in 2021. Jesus, praying for his disciples, he says, As you've sent me into the world, I am now sending them, and we are followers of Christ. We have been sent into the world. The Great Commission to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then Acts 1.8, our mission verse, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit's come on you to be my witnesses in Judea, Samaria, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And we've broken this down before, but here's how that equates. Here's how that that, that, that is played out, what it is for us in our community. Our Jerusalem is Madison. It's our community. It's our friends. It's our neighbors, our co-workers. So we're to go on mission to Jerusalem. We're to go to Judea. That's our region. Madison County, Harvest, Athens, this greater area to have an impact. That's our goal. We want to have an impact with the gospel for the kingdom of God. Our Samaria would equal the United States or North America, right? We want to have an impact in that area. And then to the ends of the earth is just that, the ends of the earth. So we've got goals, and we break those down into local, and we break those down into national. We break those down into the ends of the earth. And local, there's some things that we have started this year that we're going to continue and some that we've been doing for a long time. Loads of love, downtown rescue. These are ways you can get plugged in locally that we're already doing. Lunches of love. We've formed a great partnership with Legacy Elementary, and that's one of the things we're doing. We started the hospital ministry this year where we adopted a floor at Madison Hospital snacks and encouraging letters and you can deliver those you can write those you can bring snacks and be a part of that Um, there are different ways to get plugged in to things that we are doing and one of the things that we are i promise going to finish and this is on me i haven't finished it yet is our community impact team we haven't finished that we've gotten stalled out a few times but some of you have already been recruited for that we're going to finish that and we're going to that purpose of that team is going to be look for greater ways more ways we can have impact in our community and seek out those ways. We're also going to continue our efforts internationally. We're doing some great things. Some of them we haven't been able to do so much of this year, but we're praying and hoping to get back on track. Nepal and Haiti, those are two missions that we've been involved in, and be praying about how you can be involved in that when we do get back on track there. But we're starting a new one this year. Our youth are going to Ecuador. 
That's another way you can get plugged in. Even if you don't go, you can be involved, be a prayer partner. You can support that mission effort. Matter of fact, having a meeting next Saturday, the 30th, right here in this room at 10, if you want to be a part of that, that's another way to be involved. But then North America, you know, we look and we've been involved in some great things through the past, but right now, I believe there's a need for us to, there's a vacuum there for us to fill. And this is the challenge. I don't know what this is going to look like. And I know this is kind of a broad challenge, but this year we're going to seek out an opportunity to get plugged in, in a mission, in, in this area this year, in our Samaria. Maybe it's going to be a partnership with a church or a group, some sort of mission effort. I just believe that God is leading us to seek this out this year. And so that we will have that Acts 1-8 mentality, that Acts 1-8 strategy. But it starts in our own town, in our own city. The story about that Jay Pathak tells in The Art of Neighboring about Tom and Angela. They lived in their neighborhood. You want to know how to get started here? Here's a great way. If you want to go on mission, they had lived in their neighborhood for about 12 years without really getting to know many people. And they, they, were, they were troubled by that. They're, you know, they wanted to get to know their neighbors. One of the challenges we've had this year, I've given you, is to get to know your neighbors. You may be thinking, how am I going to do that? Well, here's how they did it. They lived there for a while, and, and again, you know, 12 years, and just weren't getting to know everybody, anybody. And so they, they came up with a, it was a cul-de-sac with about, I don't know, about 11 houses, and, and they were just, they were troubled by that and wanted to know how to, what they could change, and they came up with a pretty brilliant idea, simple but brilliant. Um, they, would, they and their kids would always play in the backyard. Their kids had their swing set back there, and that was just kind of their social hub. Backyard, you know, I'm sure privacy vents, kind of secluded, and they came up with the idea to move there every afternoon, whether allowed, they would, they would be in the backyard for as much time as possible. They came up with the idea that to just take that and move it to their front yard out where everybody could see. Hung a swing in, the, in a tree in the front yard. Kids played there. They began to spend all their afternoons in the front yard. Well, before long, some of the neighbor's kids started to come over to play. And, of course, their parents wanted to know what was going on, so their parents started to come over and hang out. Even the neighborhood dogs came to hang out in their front yard. And before they knew it, their front yard was the social hub of the entire neighborhood. Families began to get to know each other. They began to talk. They began to share stories. And then they decided, hey, we're going to take it a step further. And they began to host a series of block parties at their house. The first one was a huge success. Before they knew it, other people in the neighborhood were doing it. And it all started with one simple move. All they did was move from their backyard to their front yard. You, know where, you want to know where to begin? It's just one simple step. Taking a step to be available, to allow yourself to be known. Maybe having that first conversation, walking through your neighborhood, having that conversation with your neighbor that you haven't talked to before. Maybe it would be just moving where you spend your afternoons and inviting others to be a part of that. It doesn't have to be complicated, folks. These two people simply decided to live their lives intentionally. They took something they would be doing anyway and were intentional about it. And God used it. Lives were changed for the gospel. God blessed it. So are we being intentional? That's what all this is about. Yeah, we've got goals, and they're good goals. But when you break this down, it's about us being intentional about becoming what God has called us to become and wants us to become. And when you match God's will with your willingness, he can do great things. But we have to make ourselves available. 
We've got to be willing to do what he calls us to do, to go where he calls us to go, to live in complete obedience, because any hesitation in obedience is disobedience. But it starts with surrender. Surrendering your life to Christ if you don't know him, and as a believer, surrendering daily. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. We have a, an incredibly diverse mission field that God has placed us in and blessed us with. I mean, if you look at Huntsville and Madison, I mean, the people from, from different areas, from all over, it's amazing. He's called us to make an impact here, and it's going to change drastically in the days and years ahead. But he's put us here with the most important message they will ever hear. Some of them that are here and are coming here, they don't know Jesus. And he's placed us here as missionaries to share the gospel. And whatever we can do to connect with them, we should, as long as it doesn't compromise the word of God in Christ's character. The question is, will we? Father, we recognize the mission. It's clear in your word. There should be no doubt about what you've called us to do. Yes, the methods are different depending on the setting, and there are things that change from year to year, but the mission is the same. It's to take your mission and make it ours. As a church, as individuals, as families, you should be at the center and out in front. You've given us salvation, you've given us meaning, you've given us purpose, and you've sent us out as you were sent. Jesus, you've given us your mission. And we recognize that that begins with a relationship with you. And I pray that if there's someone here today who doesn't know you or watching online, if they don't have a relationship with you, that they would surrender their lives to you now. Invite you in, recognizing that you gave your life so that they could be free from sin. And as your word tells us, we've all sinned and fallen short of your glory. And the wages of sin is death, but the free gift that you give is eternal life. Jesus, you gave your life. And I pray that if someone who's listening right now has not done so, that they would invite you in, surrender their lives to you. For those of us who know you, that we would look at these different, these four simple things and evaluate where we need to plug in and where we need to grow, where we are lacking. Holy Spirit, search our hearts and show us. If nothing else, Lord, I pray that we would seek you desperately in all that we do. That we would seek your face and that a desire of our hearts would be to please you, to serve you. That we would make ourselves available to you to go and do whatever you ask us to do, knowing that you have a plan and a purpose that you will fulfill through us as long as we are willing to submit. And I pray that we would. We believe in the future that you have for us. Even if it's different than what we thought, different than what we planned, we trust in the future that you have for us. We anticipate the future that you have for us. We live for the future that you have for us because we know that that ends in eternity with you. Regardless of what happens in this life, we have eternity. We are secure because of what you've done. And we thank you. We praise you. We ask for your help. We ask for your guidance, for your strength, for your mercy from day to day. When we fail, pick us back up, Lord. 
Help us to repent, to turn away from sin, to turn to you, to be restored. Continue to use us with all of our imperfections. Lord, we thank you that you're in the business of using imperfect people to do your will. Ordinary people to do extraordinary things. We depend on you and your power in Jesus' name. Amen.